Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 55 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders. And my only goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week, through people that have dedicated their lives to living out this idea of servant leadership and honoring God. Because what I know to be true is that when you do that, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of that service. Because all of us are ministers of one kind or another, because we are each given very special gifts by God. And because of that, it is our obligation and responsibility that when we see a need, we need to fill that need to the best of our ability. And that is regardless of what walk of life you find yourself in, whether you're in the military, a business leader, a leader in the faith, a leader in your community, or even something as simple as being a leader in your family. And last week in episode 54, I had the great pleasure of talking to Mr. Nick Learman. And Nick told his story about how he started out in the army and got a career in law. And then from there went into work with a bunch of nonprofits to include Team Foster, which is really his passion right now, as well as law and working with me in AUSA. And then a podcast that he has on his own of Team CTW, Team Conquer the World. And so if you did not have an opportunity to listen to the episode with Nick last week, I'd highly encourage you to go back and listen to episode 54 of the show and listen to Nick's testimony because it will really touch your heart. But for today, just a little bit about me. I, I mentioned a couple times in the past that uh, I'm really privileged to call a man, Joe Griffey's my friend. And Joe runs the Welcome Home Show, and that airs every Saturday at 2 p.m. And because of my friend Joe, that's how I got the opportunity to start this show, Serving Our Nation. He made an introduction to Jacob Media and the rest is history. But also, Joe has done a tremendous uh, amount to really introduce me to quality people, really great servant leaders uh, that he knows. And one of them is my guest for today, Detective Tim Brooks. And he is one of Philadelphia's finest heroes. He's a Philadelphia police officer. He's a bomb disposal expert. And he's a recipient of the Service Before Self Medal of Honor. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Detective Tim Brooks. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Detective Tim Brooks. So Tim, first of all, thank you so very much for making the time in your very busy schedule as a police officer to be with me on the program here today. Uh, Reverend, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So Tim, like looking at your bio and all the things that you've done, it's very impressive, but I think the most logical place to start is you know, just your origins as a police officer. So I am really curious about, you know, what was the driving force in you wanting to become a police officer? And what was that journey like for you? Well, uh, it's kind of family business. Um, really? Yes. Uh, I'm third generation uh, police officer. I'm not only my third generation, I'm third generation Philadelphia police officer. Wow. Um, the fourth generation is in, uh, is in the department now. As in uh, your son? No, uh, a nephew. Okay. Uh, so uh, I have uh, my grandfather, um, John L. Walsh Sr., um, who actually never really went by senior. He was just John L. Walsh. Um, he started in the police department and uh, I think it was 1933. Uh, he started in the Philadelphia Police Department. And um, uh, I was born in 1965. He retired in 1973. So when I... Uh, my fondest memories are him. Uh, um, I, we spent a lot of time together. He had just retired from the police department and he, he took a job uh, with Continental Bank as an investigator. Okay. When Continental Bank was, was um, in Philadelphia and operating. So I'd grown up with stories and then his son, uh, my uncle Jack, uh, who was John L. Walsh Jr., uh, but went by Jack. Um, he was the, the biggest influence in me becoming a cop. Um, he was kind of a larger than life figure. Um, it, he was one, besides my father, he was probably the most influential man in my life. And uh, so I followed him really into the police department and, and, and my grandfather. And my father wasn't a police officer. Uh, my father uh, and all his brothers, so my father's one of three. And uh, they all worked for the Sisters of St. Joseph. Oh. Uh, every one of them. So my father was too young for World War II. And, um, but his two brothers served in World War II. My, my, when World War II ended, my father was 15 years old when World War II ended. And uh, he was going to leave early. He was going to lie about his age and go in uh, at 15 years old. My grandfather got wind of it and not the same grandfather was a police officer. My father's father, my mother's father was, was the police officer. So my grandfather got wind of it and kind of put the kibosh on it by saying to my my dad, listen, your, your mother has two sons in the South Pacific. You, you'll break her heart. And yeah. so, so my dad didn't go. And uh, when my two uncles came back from World War II, they got a job. They both got jobs with the Sister St. Joseph. And going back in the day, um, my uncle uh, on my father's side, my uncle John, uh, became the driver for the Mother Superior and Sister St. Joseph, which okay. back, back then was a pretty big deal. Um, they had a lot of influence. So my father was a steel worker. They were, uh, my mom was pregnant with me. 
and it was just me and my sister. Uh, so they already had a, a young daughter. My mom was pregnant with me and my father's, the steel firm that he worked for was relocating to the South. And my mom was like, I'm not, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. So we're staying here. So he needed a job, went to uh, my uncle and said, I need a job. My, they were building St. Joseph Villa. I don't know if you know, ever heard of that in Flower Town. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were building that and they said they, they wanted somebody with some mechanical experience to represent the sisters. And it was a temporary assignment. And my dad went there and uh, his temporary assignment lasted 33 years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and on a note, uh, you, you and I had uh, gone back and forth to questionnaires about your religious upbringing and stuff like that. I, I was raised a Roman Catholic and I still am a practice in Roman Catholic. And um, one of the my fondest memories of the Sisters of St. Joseph, um, my father was diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer. In 1976, um, he was given the last rites, and um, he uh, was told that get your affairs in order. You don't have much time to live. Uh, and my father died in 2010. So, Gosh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so, when my father uh, finally passed away, I remember as, as a young kid, uh, I, I was 11 years old. Uh, my father was homesick uh from chemo and uh the sisters of saint joseph came carol one night close uh, it wasn't christmas eve i think it was it was the night before christmas eve uh a bunch of of the sisters showed up and caroled in front of our house and i remember how moved my father was by that and you know him saying that that this is the kind of thing that gets you through life and then fast forward to uh my father um had, had some health problems as he got older and um he, he w- was sent home to hospice um at his and my mother's request uh it came to the point where the doctors wanted to try some other things and uh they both said you know we, we we've done enough and my father said i, ju- I just want to go home so and we brought him home he was uh in hospice and in his uh final uh moments uh my father started to wave and said come on in come on in come on in and he had been pretty much comatose uh most of the day my sister's a nurse and god bless her she um above and beyond she stayed overnight with him uh for several nights and then his last night i would relieve her in the morning when we knew like the end was near she would go home get some some sleep and that morning she said to me when i got when i showed up um, she was sleeping there and I showed up at my parents' house and my sister said, I'm going to stay. I, I don't think it's going to be much longer. And it wasn't. And, but my father, who at the time was completely comatose, was, was going, come on in, come on in, come on in. And my mom went over to him and said, um, uh, my father's name was Pat. Uh, actually, Pat and Pat. My mom was Pat. My, my, my mom, Patricia, and my father, Patrick. And um, she said, Pat, who's here? And he said, the nuns, the nuns, come on in, come on in, come on in. And he passed. And it is my absolute positive, firm belief that the sisters came to take him to heaven. Like there's not a, there's not a doubt in my mind, not one doubt. 
So that was a pretty powerful moment for, for my family. And, and uh, my father did a lot for a lot of people in his life. And, uh, you know, we, we know that we were comforted in the end that, you know, they, they say the people that you love uh, come and help you transition into heaven. And I really believe that, that, that the, the good sisters came and got my dad. So. So I want to make sure I heard everything correctly because you just told me a lot. So your mother's father and yes. his son were both cops and they influenced you to become a police officer. But your yes. father very much influenced your faith, if I'm hearing you correctly. 100 percent. 100 percent. So based on some of the things that you've done, and we're going to get into it in a bit, I, I feel like those two things very much helped you become the man that you are and some of the things that you've done as a police officer and the steps that you've taken as a police officer. Like you've done some pretty daring things as a police officer. Yeah. Um, like I, faith I, has I, to be driving that I would think. Yeah. And, and it does. And, and, um, I believe in a guardian angel. I, I really do. Um, I I've had some, um, rather, uh, let, let's just say close calls over the yeah. years. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, uh, I I always say that that I can't wait to buy my guardian angel a drink when I get to heaven. <laughs> but he's done a really good job. Um, but but on that note, I, I also um, I, I also believe it's my grandfather that is my guardian angel. Um, my, my mom's mom, even though he was alive uh, up until I was ten years old, uh, I, I really do believe that. Um, that, that he's the one who's, who's taking care of me over so the years. One cop looking out for another. One cop looking out for another. Yeah, without a doubt. One cop looking so, out for another. For clarity, for the people listening, what position do you currently serve? Because you said, you know, you've had some risky times. So what, what job is it that you have that had put you in a risky situation? Um, well, I currently serve on the bomb squad uh, and I'm part of, uh, so I'm a Philadelphia police officer, but I'm on loan to a, a federal task force. I'm the bomb squad's representative to a uh, federal uh, arson explosive task force, which is the uh, U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, uh, what people commonly call the ATF, mm-hmm. uh, what they call the ATF, not just people. Um, so I'm, I've been a task force officer with ATF on their arson explosive task force uh, for a number of years. And um, it, it, besides, uh, yeah, I have 30 years in the, in the police department. So wow. uh, between my experiences in my patrol, uh, I, I was promoted to detective in 1998. So I served as a, uh, a, a detective, uh, a normal uh, divisional investigator uh, for a number of years. I, I did robberies, I did shooting investigations, uh, things like that. But then um, in 2005, uh, I started to specialize. I was offered a, a position uh, doing arson explosive cases, which which led me to uh, the bomb squad. So, and that that's where I serve today on the bomb squad. So, being on the bomb squad, like, is that the hardest thing that you've had to do in your thirty year career, like defusing bombs, or is there another situation that you've had in your career that was may- maybe a little bit more daunting, and may- maybe you put your life at risk a little bit more? Uh, I had an incident. Um, I, I had an incident that I was involved in a, a number of years ago. Um, that that 
is probably one of the most uh, harrowing. I, 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 two incidents in, in my career, uh, I was involved in, in a shootout uh, back in in uh, 1994. Uh, 1995. I'm sorry, 1995. I was involved in a shootout. Uh, Things worked out for me, and obviously, I'm here. Uh, And um, then I had another incident uh, back in uh, in 2009 that that uh, I was also involved in. That that um, you know, I I know people guided me through what I what I had to do that day. So, so. If I read your bio correctly, I mean, you, you got a bit of heroism in you and some exploits related to that. You, you strike me as a very humble guy and then reports talked about you being a humble guy. But would you share just a little bit about what happened that day? Uh, sure. Um, I, 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 was, I am. I, I am. I, I like to. Uh, I like to bring about the the, the good that the cops do. Uh, we get a bad rap, to, especially today, especially since 2020. Yeah. Uh, you know, people jumped on the political bandwagon and not to get into politics, but, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of anti-police sentiment. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it, it takes away from a lot of the good that, that uh, you know, cops do. Uh, are there bad cops? Absolutely, there are. But there's bad everything. You know, right. there's bad teachers. There's bad everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but the only reason that I do talk about it when I'm asked about it is that it highlights the good that the cops do. Um, so some of your listeners may be familiar with the duck boat incident that happened in Philadelphia on the Delaware River in uh, July 2009, and, and uh, where a, a barge hit a uh, crowded tour uh, boat, which was uh, the ride the ducks uh, ride uh, the, the boat sank and uh, rather quickly, and it, it took the lives of two individuals who were tourists uh, from another country. And um, I, I was on duty that day, and w- when the call came out over police radio, uh, I heard it. And, and sometimes when calls come out, you kind of know it's a little different. Um, it, it, it's you know, at the time it was 25 years of policing and, you know, going, this doesn't sound normal. Something, something's up. So there was a, um, my, my partner and another, uh, an ATF agent, we arrived on scene. We were the first ones there. There were a number of people in the water and, um, I jumped in, uh, to the water and wound up, um, saving a, a, a woman and uh, one of her kids and and two other kids uh, who I, I originally thought they were her kids. They were not. She was just being a very uh, protective mother. Um, uh, I, it, her name is Lisa. And uh, one of, one of the, the kids that I was credited with saving uh, is, is her daughter. Uh, that part, I, I do like to talk about my relationship. I, I, I really don't like to talk about the incident itself. Uh, just say that, you know, I was in the right place at the right time and I did what I had to do. And I mean this with all sincerity. If somebody else was in that position, given seeing what I saw, given what I uh, was faced with they would have done the exact same thing that i did so i kind of consider myself a victim of circumstance um it, 
it was it was an opportunity something needed to be done and you know you know god put me there and and there i was and i did what i had to do so so tim I, i'm not going to belabor the point on the um, heroism that you displayed uh, during that incident but i i am curious you know with your 30 years on the force what is the biggest lesson regarding servant leadership that being a police officer has taught you i mean you're clearly a man of faith you clearly do what needs to be done so what is it that being a cop has taught you about you know how to live and how to serve other people well um you know i, I believe in second chances for a lot of people uh, i am no saint uh it, you know there are some things that, I, that i've done in this world that i regret and uh you know and everybody does that, that you know we're humans and yeah. you know uh we we you know we hope and you know we know we, we do more than hope but you know when i look at some of the things that i've done over the years i go and i hope i get into heaven um, <laughs> there, there's a there's a family joke uh that, that, that was the day of my father's funeral and i kind of like to apply this in life and it, it is a rather funny story with faith in heaven. Um, so uh, my dad and all his brothers were, were all very, very religious. Again, they all worked for the Sisters of St. Joseph. And, and um, so the day of my father's funeral, uh, right before my father's funeral, my mother and I, they didn't have a plot. So my mother and I went to the cemetery to pick out a plot in Holy Sepulchre Cemetery. And they, they told us, you know, plot XYZ is available. We go over to plot XYZ. And my mom says, you know, Uncle John's buried around here somewhere. It was my dad's brother. Well, lo and behold, the plot that was for sale was uh, um, four doors down, so to speak, from, from my Uncle John. Wow. And, and my mom said, perfect. You know, he's right next to his brother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the day of the funeral, uh, my Uncle John had uh, has eight children. And um, he, he passed uh, back in 1997. And so... All my cousins are there. We, you know, when we're leaving the church, we said, you know, he's being buried right next to right next to your dad. Wow. And we were there after, uh, you know, we we had we're leaving my dad's grave. We all stopped at Uncle John, and you know, it was kind of a solemn moment. And uh, my one female cousin says, "Do you think uh, Dad and Uncle John are up there playing cards?" And my uh, cousin, my, uh, a male cousin who was my Uncle John's son says, I don't know, but I hope Uncle Pat stopped to see Dad on his way up. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, so, you know we, we all got a big laugh at it and, and you joke about it, but, it, you know, being a cop and, and not everybody who you ha have to arrest um, is a bad guy. Right. And, you have to remember that and I've kind of carried that through and I think my faith has helped me with that kind of stuff where um, you learn to differentiate somebody who's down on the luck or somebody just did something stupid versus somebody who is a truly bad guy and there are truly bad guys out yeah. and you know so so that's kind of guided me a, a little bit and um, how how I operate as a police officer. So I, I want to make sure I heard you correctly. The, the nugget is second chances, right? Giving people an opportunity to redeem themselves. Yes. Yes. 100%.
Okay, so 30-year career, you're still in, you're in the bomb squad, you're working for ATF, you've done some pretty impressive things. What would you say is the biggest blessing that you have gotten from God as being a police officer and serving in all these different ways and giving people second chances? Like, how do you feel God has blessed you for the life that you've lived? Um, he, he's he's given me the, the strength and, and the intelligence to do what I do. Um, since I joined the bomb squad, it's very technical. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and so th there's, there's a, from chemistry to electronics, uh, th there's a lot involved in, and sometimes you don't get a second chance in, in doing what I do, I can uh, imagine. <laughs> you know, so, uh, don't get the red wire. <laughs> well, you know, we like, to, we like to say that if we screw up, a we'll never know. Um, and it'll be over very quickly. So, um, you know, then it's somebody else's problem. It's, it's not my problem anymore. And I do get that question a lot. Like, you know, are you afraid when you're working on a, a bomb? And, uh, you know, no, because, it, you know, I, it, it's I have faith in myself uh, that, you know, I'm, I'm using the tools God gave me uh, both physically and mentally. Uh, that, that I'm focused on what I do and the, the amount of training that we get an awful lot of training. Um, like I mentioned uh, to you uh, on the side before we started the show, uh, I'm in a way to training now. Uh, I'm, I've kind of transitioned a little bit to being an instructor as I've gotten it's a young man's game. You know, uh, I'm not getting any younger. Uh, I'm, I'm not shy. I'm 56 years old. Uh, I've known this since I was 26. And so, you know, I only have a few years left to do this. So I kind of transitioned into the instructing other people how to do my job um, because it is a very technical uh, ability. And, and in your background as a military guy, uh, we do a lot of interoperability. I'm, I'm in a military base right now uh, doing some training between public safety, law enforcement, and military EOD, explosive ordnance disposal. And there's a lot of that. And so it, it carries on using the tools God gave you to be the best person you can yeah. and also be using that uh, to your advantage to, to help others. And, and, and that's what I do, even though I specialize in explosives um, and I don't have the direct interaction with the general public that I, I used to, uh, I'm still serving in, in a, a certain way. And, you know, that that's protecting the general public. Uh, it's a lot behind the scenes stuff. Uh, if I have a successful day, you never know that. And that's the way we like it. You know, um, it, we don't want people to know what we do. We don't want people to know how often we work. And let's just say we do. Uh, it, it's I have young, very young nieces and nephews, and some of them, as they become of age, they, you know, uh, I, I had a niece recently. I, I, my sister-in-law called me up. My niece was having a difficult time at school. There, there had been a threat uh, against the school. She was very, very upset. And um, she, my sister-in-law called and said, well, don't worry. If something happens, um, Uncle Tim will be there to protect you. And so I wound up going over to their house and talking to her and sitting her down. And, you know, she was very, she's very intellectual. She, so she really wanted to know 
the legitimacy behind threats and what goes on and things like that. And, and, and I told her, and I tell all the people this, you sleep softly at night. Um, it, it's my job to worry about things in, in the world. And in your Reverend, in your military career, it was the same way. Yeah. You know, we, we get paid to keep the boogeyman at bay. And, you know, whether in, you're in the military or in law enforcement, it's the same thing. It might be a different boogeyman, but you're still, uh, there's a George or- Orwell saying, uh, sleep softly, sleep uh, finally. In your, I might be screwing up a little bit, but um, sleep softly in your bed at night because uh, strong men uh, stand up in the night to do harm against those that would harm us. And, you know, when you look at like a figure like St. Michael, uh, that, that the patron saint of police officers, you know, that that's his job, you know, and, and that's our job. Uh, so don't fret the small stuff or the big stuff in, in life. There are people who get paid to do that. And, and it's not just their job. They, they love doing it. The military is the same way. You know, you volunteer for the military. You volunteer for law enforcement. You know, you're not forced into it. And so those people uh, who are going in harm's way uh, are there voluntarily. And they're there to protect all of us, um, you know, just like God is. And, and, you know, I'm not comparing that to what God does by any, any way, shape or form, but we, we are there for a reason. And I, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that I was placed here to do something and I'm really truly doing what I love. And, and I, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. And, uh, you know, police work and, and law enforcement and explosives and the arson explosive side has been really, really good to me. So I, I'm curious, you said a few minutes ago that, you know, it's a young man's game and you're getting up in age, 56 years old, da, da, da. but you also do volunteer work. You're involved with the fire department. You do work with the Marine Corps. Like that, that that's a really big heart. If you ask me, Tim, like you are really putting yourself out there on a daily basis for the American people so they can sleep softly, as you said. I do. I have an uncle uh, on my mom's side, my uncle Rick, uh, who's an Army veteran. And um, uh, all my uncles served in the military. Uh, my, my uncle, uh, Jack, who I talked about earlier, um, he was a Purple Heart recipient in Korea. Uh, my, my uncle Rick always uh, busts on me and says, uh, boy, you got some interesting hobbies. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, you know, my, my work with the, with the Marine Corps Law Enforcement uh, Foundation, uh, I, I've been a volunteer fireman for uh, 36 years and uh, sir, uh, sorry, 38 years I've been a volunteer fireman and I continue to do it. And, you know, that's something I can I can continue to do even after my law enforcement career uh, in, in a more subdued role, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, these, these are things that have to be done. So, you know, if not me, then who, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot behind that. It's, it's kind of, I know the Travis Manion Foundation. Yeah, I know that line well, if not me, then who I'm part of, Travis yeah, you know, and, and it, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of the, the motto of the bomb squad too. Uh, you know, we call it the silent walk and, you know, when you're walking down on a device and you put the suit on, it, it's a it's a lonely walk because we're usually, you know, uh, sometimes we're 100 y- or at least 50 yards away and 
when you're walking down there and you have time to think, there's a lot of praying going on between you and that device. So you come you come to peace with yourself. Wow. So then we've got only a couple minutes left, but you know, I, I want to ask you, I mean, faith has clearly guided your decisions. You've talked a whole lot about your faith and how that has blessed you and you know how you're using that in all of your different roles. But I, I'm curious, you know, if there's a young person today and you know maybe they're that young 26 year old person and they're just starting out maybe on the police force or a fireman or you know maybe in the military whatever and they're really contemplating life choices so to speak right and um, maybe they don't have that faith that you do like what advice would you give to somebody that's just starting out and they want to serve the public good but they haven't gotten to the point in life where you know they can rest easy they, they can have you know faith in god and be able to tell other people to sleep easy what what would you say to somebody that you know doesn't quite have the confidence you do well um confidence comes with time uh you know i, I didn't always have that you know that that's that's the benefit of being older uh is having a little bit more confidence uh not that there's not young people that don't have confidence but um keep working at it, it, it is uh everybody finds their niche in life uh it may take uh, a lot longer some people take a lot longer than others uh i, I think i had such a, a guidance growing up uh between uh, my uncles on both sides of my family and, and of course my parents um my 80 year mother still alive and well and uh, it, still driving and goes a whole bunch of places and and so th that was instilled in me early and, and I I count myself blessed to have that uh, but for people who don't have that keep searching you you'll, you'll find it. Um, it, it I although I, I have a, a lot of faith I, I certainly I'd be um, kind of, I'd be a little uh, false in, in, in saying that that I'm the world's most religious person. Uh, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I, like I mentioned I am a practicing Catholic. I don't go to church as much as I should, uh, but I have a relationship with God. Um, yeah, that's what it's about, and, and that's that's the most important thing. Uh, you, you know, when you have to when you have to check a little card for the Catholic Church all the time, I I I check. I, I, I don't check rarely. Uh, I check occasionally, uh, you know, for church. My wife is, is much more regular than, than I am. And, um, but you have to keep searching. You have to keep searching for um, what God has in store for you, what your plan is. And you will find it. It, it, will, it will happen. There's a lot of people that get that late in life, as, as you know. And, you know, so keep, keep digging. It's down there. It's, it's right in front of you. You just might have to move the bush or two to look behind. I love it. Tim, it has been such a privilege and an honor to speak with a guy that has done so much for his community. 30 years of service, even more than that as a volunteer firefighter, work with the Marine Corps. Like, dude, I am in awe of what you do and how you serve, you know, our city and all the people so that they can sleep easy. Like, thank you so much for sharing your story with Reverend. Thank you for the, for the time. Thank, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure uh, getting to know you too. Thank you, Tim. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guests. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, let's just briefly think about what we've heard from today's guest. What an incredible leader of character and humble man Detective Tim Brooks is. I I cannot believe all the things that he was talking about and such humility in his tone and even in the stories that he shared. But I just want to go over a a few things that I think are really important nuggets that we can all learn from. So he was talking about one of the things that he thinks is most important of what he learned in the police department is the idea that people deserve second chances. Now, listen, that can apply in any walk of life. Maybe somebody does something wrong in your family or at work, or maybe somebody sins in the faith community or maybe steals money or whatever, right? People make bad decisions, but there's reasons why things happen, right? And he talked about, well, not everybody is necessarily a bad guy. Sometimes you just do something stupid and make a mistake. And so my challenge to you is, you know, how do you react when somebody does something wrong? Do you have a heart of forgiveness? Are you able to give them that second chance? Because I I think that is what Tim is really encouraging and challenging each one of us to do with the way that he lives his life. Give people that second chance. And something else, like when you talk about second chances, you can't resist how incredible his story is of saving the people that would have otherwise died from that duck boat incident. Like when when you talk about second chances, not only is he forgiving people and living life according to that forgiveness, but he literally put his life on the line. Not only every day as a police officer and volunteer fireman, but literally like jumping in that water to save so many people. What kind of sacrifice are we willing to make to put other people's lives in front of ours, right? In scripture it says, there is no greater gift than to die for your friends, than to put your friends ahead of yourself. So what can we do as parents, as workers, as friends, what can we do to put our lives on hold, to maybe even sacrifice or risk our own lives to care for somebody else, to save somebody else. What are we willing to do? Because when when I listen to Tim's story, that is servant leadership. That is a man that is willing to go above and beyond the call of duty every single day. And I, I gotta tell you what I loved most about Tim's story. There is a persistent thread of faith through everything that he said from his work in the police department and the bomb squad or going into a fire everything that he does is based on faith and he talked about how god is looking out for him he talked about the influence of his grandfather and his father and the idea of a guardian angel now listen not everybody believes in a guardian angel but there is undeniably a strong faith 
that is driving him. And I love what he said that, you know, maybe you're a young person and maybe you don't have the faith that Tim does and be able to walk into a burning room or go and defuse a bomb and literally put your life on line where you might get blown up. But he said, keep searching. And the scripture says, ask and ye shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. So my challenge to all of us today is to keep searching, to keep looking, to keep growing in your faith. And maybe, just maybe, we can all grow up to being like Detective Tim Brooks, a guy that puts his life on the line every single day and just steps out in faith to put the lives and the well-being of other people ahead of his own so they can sleep soft at night. What an incredible man. Well, listen, each week I talk to you about this idea of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. What a blessing I got this past week. So I happen to like technology and I have a lot of tech toys per se. And so the student that I mentor through Kingsway Leadership School, he is also a very good friend of mine. And he sacrificed 12 hours collectively of his time in two separate sessions, 12 hours of his time to just come over and fellowship with me and to just help me get all this stuff set up because it was a lot of tech and a lot of wires and connections and so forth. But what a blessing, right? Like the only thing that I did was try to pour into him and help him to grow and develop and, you know, things of that nature based on my own experiences because, you know, I've got a few years on him. But to receive that back in friendship and in the sacrifice of his time and in his assistance and help with something that was only important to me. I mean, it didn't benefit him at all to come over and help me to set up my stuff, but he did out of the goodness of his heart. And so I I would just offer you to you, like it's all about putting the needs of other people ahead of your own. I had always tried to bless him and take care of him and mentor him to the best of my capacity. And look what came back to me him going above and beyond the call of duty to help me with something that was important to me. So what can you do today to put somebody else first? What can you do to mentor somebody? What can you do to put your own needs to the side and say, you know what? I'm going to give you all the time that you need to help you with this thing. Not because I get anything out of it, but because it's important to you. So I want to really thank the student that I have, and his name is Tim also, for his time and for his friendship. All right, listen, last thing. Uh, Next week, I am really excited about uh, my next guest. His name is Reverend Bill McDonald, and he is an author, he's a veteran, and he's a spiritual warrior. And so I'm really looking forward to the show with him next week. But until then, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, always ask, How can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall But you have never felt me yet 
waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never felt me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in
Oh, 